Welcome to Healthcare 2030. This program features conversations and interviews with respected healthcare industry experts discussing the latest topics regarding current issues today and the future of healthcare, innovation, and technology. To learn more about OxioHealth, head over to oxiohealth.io. That's www.oxiohealth.io. Now here's your host, Noel Guillama. Welcome to Healthcare 2030. My name is Noel Guillama, and I introduce my uh, partner, Carl Larson. Say hello, Carl. Hello, Carl. How are you, Noel? I'm doing fantastic. Great. I want to thank everyone uh, who has tuned in to hear our podcast, uh, Healthcare 2030, our um, episode 17. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to put these things together and uh, talk about the future of healthcare. What I like talking about sort of technology infused healthcare. Well, we had a good time the last uh, the last podcast. Do you remember how we ended it? Well, we ended it talking about where we're going in Omnicare. Right? That's right. That was a, a term that sort of just uh, popped into my head, uh, discussing about the uh, the use of multiple avenues or multiple paths to provide care. Right. That it's not sort of in the old days where it was really just a you know, the, 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 the physical space of the doctor or patient that now with technology it has expanded um, to use uh, different uh, avenues of care, both in telemedicine, we, we love talking about uh, in the opportunities there, but also connected devices. And we started talking about smart homes and literally builders that are now building uh, homes. I, I, I saw a news article about a home that are built, they're built here in Fort Lauderdale. They had $300,000 worth of wellness and connected devices. So it was fascinating. So yeah. it, it, if you remember, we, we that, that whole conversation was that sort of that Omnicare as you talked yeah. about it. Yeah. And um, I think we could pick up on that on that subject and talk a little bit deeper about what that means and, and what we think the future of that is. What do you think? Well, I think we should because I think, you know, we had mentioned before the physician practices back in the 50s and 60s and you know what the doctor's day looked like and going out to make all of the home house calls and so on that's moved now they're not doing that of course but they can do that now with telemedicine and the smart devices so that's one avenue but there are a couple of others no you're right i mean we we, we remember the old days that we, we talked about this before is a doctor would go out there and do their hospital rounds yeah then they'd go to the office then they do evening rounds yeah. and they may they, they may even uh do house calls right. and that was sort of the life of the physicians and as in the uh in the 90s uh you had a a sort of a a, a breakup of that model and particularly when you when uh, the, the the term and the practice of hospitalists became around, which we never, I don't think we've ever talked about before, and those are physicians that are based in the hospital, um, that that their sole job is to treat the patient in the hospital room. Uh, for example, for many years uh, in the emergency room, you had not you had not only sort of some staff physicians that were there that were paid by the the hospital to be there. Um, you may have had physicians that were in the community they would rotate it mm -hmm. because they were required to whether especially specialists yes. so you had to you had to have a cardiologist on call and sometimes he literally was in the office but while he was visiting other patients and that was sort of being on call but in in the 90s really had the emergence in, with with some strength of, of the hospitalist which is literally a doctor that their job whether they do it for a private company or they do it for the hospital 
Their job is to take care of the patient. And they're highly trained physicians in 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 in, in sort of the the processes that are done at a hospital and mm -hmm. the intensity of hospitals. So, you know, though they're qualified uh, as physicians, they their specialty specialty becomes, just like any other specialty, is 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 intensivist is another term they can use about it, which basically is is, is what the type of treatment that a patient needs and it's in a, in a hospital. Okay. Um, and, and that sort of eliminated, mostly, the, the primary care's routine or rounds of visiting their patient in the hospital. Mm -hmm. So that, that's a positive for two reasons. One is it made the doctor much more efficient in running their practice uh, because you didn't have to travel back and forth from, from the hospital. That's why, and we talked a little bit about medical office buildings, uh, in the last couple of podcasts, is that the emergence of the ho uh, medical office building and a hospital campus uh, really became an emergence of that transaction. It, that the hospital would be a primary care doctor, mm -hmm. um, and it went from what used to be dispersed in the community, yeah, okay, right, uh, to being either near the campus or on the campus, uh, and the reason for that was because they had to do the routes, right. Proximity. So now the doc, some specialists still do that, by the way, but yes. most primary cares are not doing any hospital rounds at all. And and by the way, when you had the payers and the insurance companies also preferred the hospitalist environment for a couple of reasons. One is they were able to negotiate hospital list charges and negotiate as a group versus the at-large contracting they would have with primary care uh, doctors. Right. Um, but it also allowed for doctors that are that were more highly specialized in treating a patient in a hospital. Um, and I think the, the what we proved that we we worked with them, uh, we proved that that the hospitalists were able to give better care faster. Mm -hmm. So you didn't have to wait for the doctor to do the rounds at five o'clock uh, and see what you were going to do to the patient the following day because the hospitalist was always in the hospital. And they were able to literally save us. We did a study that the hospital saved us about a day yeah. of a hospital stay for the average patient because it was it, not instant, but it was very quick turnaround. Well, they knew the mechanism in the hospital. They right. they they knew the routines and the, they knew the the nurses and the other staff in the hospital. So, and they were recognized themselves. So it was much easier to operate in an environment where you're known. Right. Mm -hmm. So just like that transition happened, you know, back in the 90s, uh, we witnessed it really go mainstream. Right. Now we're seeing that the doctor does not have to be uh, in the medical office building. They don't have to be uh, near the hospital. Uh, but on the other side, now they have more tools uh, that are allowing them to provide better care, more continuous care, better connectivity to their, to their patients. Uh, by using technology. Right. So this is what I'm sort of referring to as Omnicare because you're now able to see the patient at the at, at the doctor's office. You're able to see the patient uh, using uh, telemedicine right. and you're able to see the patient or get data from a connected device or connected homes. Um, and when you add in the nurse practitioners and nurses, you're talking about literally looking at the patient much more 360, 360 sure. degrees. Yeah. And, and much more of that holistic approach, yeah. which I think is, we're, I think we're already there, but I think we haven't sort of defined it that way. At least I haven't seen people define it that way. No, I, I think you're right. I think that, you know, the, the nurse practitioner and the PA as extensions of the doctor provide that additional capability 
but it's still all about direct care to the patient. So, and the technology now is just providing even even more opportunity and greater avenue for the physician and physician staff to right. be, treat and, those patients. Sure, and then as we've talked about the past, in the past, is the what I think is going to be the extinction of fee for service medicine um, to much more value based care, managed care. Um, then that model lends itself incredibly well to this Omnicare, that 360 view of the patient, right. because yeah. now the, the the physician has a res- both a responsibility and a financial incentive to make sure that patient is as healthy as possible, as connected as possible, mm-hmm. um, and 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 as quickly as possible. So it's not about you know give me set an appointment for for a week or ten days or or five days. The idea is if a doctor ha- if a patient has a condition that needs to see the doctor, you want that 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 both from the physician perspective and from the patient perspective, you want that interaction to happen as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about technology is it allows you to have that even if even if the doctor then says okay you've got to come into the doctor's office my office or you have to go to a specialist directly, or you have to go to the emergency room. That that lag time, okay, mm-hmm. can be dramatically reduced uh, by the use of technology. And the same thing is, and I think it's happening, and we're talking about in, in, in the designs of the new medical facilities we're designing, is the ability not only to have the sort of the, the Omnicare type of, of philosophy, but also have the the uh, the telemedicine rooms that are two way, so that if a doctor needs a an immediate okay, but not you know critical emergency room or emergency department but, uh, but consultation consult right? is he can go talk to another doctor via via telemedicine with the patient in front of them okay mm-hmm. and say here's the story here's the here's the here's the the the, the relative and the the relevant information for the doctor to the metrics, know, rather metrics, okay? right. and the physician can then has a reliable source on the other side, so you're able to treat a patient instead of go see this doctor, okay? And let's say you've got a, some kind of a cardiac question. It's not life threatening, but there's a question, right? And the doctor says, here is a, a, the, the the primary care can consult in these specially built rooms that we're building with with privacy and HIPAA compliance. Um, to interact with the specialist, and he can send the specialist the EKG they just took. Uh, he can send them the med- or, or, and he can show them, especially if they're sharing the medical record the way we've designed on our platform. They can share the medical record. They can see all the medical records of the patient, the notes, the drugs, and the EKG. The doctor there is able to again that that cardiologist is now able to make another determination. Mm-hmm. Whether it is, you know, let's let's break it up into three types of category. It is it is advisable that he could be treated there, okay, with medication based on on his partner or or or, or his referring physician being on the room literally. Right. He could tell him, I need to see you in the office as soon as possible because I need to do another procedure. Right. Let's say they need to do an echo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's probable, probably possible that the primary care may not have it. In our facility, we will have echoed uh, cardiograms right. um, available. Uh, so that's that's the second stage, let's call it. And the third stage is you've got a real problem. You got to go to the emergency room. Now it's a matter of which emergency room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and depending on where it is, the cardiologist may be close by and says, "Okay, go to the hospital that I have privileges in, so I can go see you." 
because many cardiologists do have privileges at hospitals. Right. Contrary to what we talked about earlier is most primary cares. They may have what's called sort of um, courtesy privileges. Sort of a visiting privilege. I, I was going to use that, but they don't like using that term. No, they sort don't. of courtesy visits uh, so they can go in and see a patient. Uh, and uh, usually they don't get involved in the treatment, but at least they go see the patient. So they have those courtesy visits mm -hmm. uh, because they don't do the admissions. Okay, Only the admitting doctor. Right. Uh, and then you can have a consulting doctor if it's a different specialty. So this goes back to our philosophy, sort of that, that omni-care, where the, the, the lines be between the, the doctors and the doctors and the patient is blurred. So if you're using one common medical record, if you're using um, the common uh, uh, diagnostic information and you have a relationship between the, especially the primary care and the specialist where they have mutual knowledge and trust, okay, the cardiologist is not going to question whether the blood pressure was taken correctly or the EKG was taken correctly or even the equipment was well maintained. He's going to know that. Right. Okay. Now he's able to pr practice medicine for that patient and, and, uh, and, when they have a collective benefit of that patient, then it's a bigger idea. So does does this, and one of my pet peeves, honestly, is the fact that you go see a, a primary and they order an, an, order an x-ray. And, oh, the x-ray shows something. you got to go see a specialist. Well, the specialist orders another x-ray of the same thing and, and, and on and on and on. I'm probably not a good example. But does this help to eliminate some of that duplication that – to me, has just really ramped cost in healthcare significantly. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the, the reason why doctors, you know, sometimes order the same test again is a couple of things. One is the mutual; they, they may not have the trust. They may not know who the radiologist is. Right. And many times they don't get the the the, the what we call the 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 the, the X ray or whatever the 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 actual uh, uh, diagnostics done or the image yeah. done, yeah. Um, and they just get a report, and right. and they they may not they may know the doctor, they may know um, something about him, they may know nothing about him, depending on where it comes from, or they may be looking at it at a different different position. Okay, mm -hmm. they may literally yeah, well, physically a different like a different angle, different angle, yeah. Okay, exactly. Um, and they may want more intensity. Sometimes it's just that they want to feel comfortable that they have all the information. Physicians historically, and, and they're gonna hate me, hopefully they won't listen to this, have been in the information brokerage business. They have all the information. All the information is theirs, okay? Even though by HIPAA, the patient can go in there and ask to see their medical records in totality. Sure. They can put notes in the record, you know, there are certain section. Here mm -hmm. are the patient's notes. I don't agree with this assessment or or blah, blah, blah. That's the law back sure. in 1996. Right. But effectively, physicians have been sort of, you know, information brokers. They, they've had all the information. Um, and uh, sometimes physicians want their radiologists, their equipment. Some other times they do it because uh, that's how they get paid. They, right. They really, because because in a, in a fee-for-service environment. Exactly. Okay? Yeah. It, 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 it is like a toll booth. It, 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 it's just a it's it's crude, but it's transparent. Mm -hmm. The more interaction there are, the more billing there can be. That's one of the reasons why I continue to say and I continue to believe, and and without zero reservation, is that as I think I said in the past, that ninety in the next ten years, um, and certainly in Medicare, ninety percent of Medicare is not going to be fee for service. It's going to be some right. kind of 
of an ACO, which is an affordable care organization, an MSO, which is a management service organization. Uh, it's going to be some kind of Medicare Advantage, um, some kind of value-based care, and Medicare is ex- ex- experimenting with a number of different platforms yeah. because they're trying to see what provides, as they should, the best care and the best outcome. You can't have you can't have low cost um, and and poor care. Okay, uh, it'd be great to have low low cost and great care, but there's a balance between the the cost component and the quality component. And that's when you start eliminating all those barriers. Sometimes I can tell you that I've seen in in, in, in patients that used to come to our clinics where they would have three uh, MRIs of their knee, mm-hmm. okay, for example. And and then the doctor would say, well, and there was another orthopedic who went a fourth. And I'm like, the doctors would have to sit there. Doctor to doctor, we couldn't get involved. We're administrators. Right. The doctors were doctors. Said, Why are we going to do this another one? First of all, it, some of that diagnostics is not either painless, okay? If you've done an MRI, it can be a little nerve-wracking, okay? An X-ray is invasive by definition. There, yeah, there's X-rays being, you know, that are going through your body. Same thing with a, with a CT scan, right? Okay, right. Um, so those are those are those are those have some consequences. They're not huge. Oh, there's uh, risk. There, there, there is there's risk, risk being mm-hmm. So you'd have these doctors that are sort of saying, "Do we need this? Why do we need that?" Well, when you eliminate the compensation part of it, and you get and you meaning an organization or an entity or hospital in some cases, gets paid a capitation, then the incentive is now to provide the best care possible. Not duplicate care that's not necessary, not spend more time, not spend more visits. Uh, There have been studies, but I don't remember them, where they talk about how much productivity is lost in the United States by um, uh, not just the overuse of, of medical procedures, but also productivity based on employees. If an employee has to go in order to get, for example, a pharmaceutical, a, a drug refilled mm-hmm. to the doctor's office, just because of two things. One is the doctor only gets paid when he sees him, okay? Yep. Until COVID, okay? Every time you call the doctor to renew a prescription, like a basic prescription of blood pressure, right? the doctor could not charge for any of that. Right. Right. And they did it. That was a courtesy thing. Yeah. Today, as you, today when we're recording this September of 2020, um, the doctor can get paid for that. Okay, and his staff, you know, staff time or his time. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're provo- when you're getting capitation, and you're getting um, a shared risk environment, then those barriers are eliminated. Okay, yeah. now it's about how do we treat the patients the fastest, and that's also why I am confident that this 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 discussion that we're having about Omnicare is absolutely the future. Because if compensation uh, is not an issue, then you want to treat the patient at the fastest possible time with the lowest amount of intensity, okay? I mean, you could say, you could say, well, the emergency room, you know, has the highest amount of intensity and it's immediate, or relatively immediate, right? right. Average waiting time in South Florida for ER is like 10 minutes. Yeah. That's pretty fast. Yeah. But you do not need for, I don't know, 90%, 80% of it, 85% of healthcare, any of that intensity of an emergency room. No. Okay. It can be treated in, in, a, in a primary care, in a specialist practice, or even in an outpatient environment. So from Omnicare, we've you know, we've 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 talked about the physical, the virtual, and the the, the connectedness. Those those three critical components. 
Um, what companies? What companies do this? What companies can do this? And, and how does it? How does it? How do you see that? Well, that's really interesting because you, you have certainly, certainly in the, in the COVID world, you've had, we've talked about this. You've got some hospitals that are starting to do this at a very large scale. But remember, the hospital's primary business, and I think we talked about this sort of hospitality, is is to have people uh, using their facilities, which is a facility fee and their and their uh, and their beds, and the rest of their facilities. So, mm-hmm. the, the, that's the number one business model of a hospital. Okay, but what we have not seen are sort of ex, ex the hospital environment. We have not seen companies that have seen the opportunity. To create sort of that that model that we're talking about, but we haven't had companies that have really merged technology and healthcare either. No, I mean one of the things that we've talked about. In I the mean that's 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 a prerequisite. To- right. So one of the things that we've talked about in one of our podcasts is that why it's been so difficult for technology to really penetrate healthcare, and yeah. part of the problem is is not only I think we use the, the I've used the term sort of. Solutions looking for problems is, is when you when you got a widget or when you have a process or when you have even a cloud-based uh, IoT devices call it mm-hmm. the, the biggest question that I have I ask entrepreneurs is who's paying for it and their idea is that a patient might pay for it I'm like I don't think so yeah. that the, the doctor's going to pay for it not going to happen no okay you want to um, order it. Is the hospital going to pay for it? Not likely, unless they can bill it. Unless, mm-hmm. unless there's a code number to bill that product, okay? Like they would do a stent or, or a prosthetic, they're, right. they're not going to care. Right. Insurance companies, yeah, they might do it. The problem is that those are really high barriers of entry, okay? Based right. on my experience dealing with, you know, the top 15 insurance companies in the eastern United States, literally from, from Maine all the way to Key West, uh, it's a long sales cycle, even for a great product. So what we have not seen, and, and this is a little bit of a lot of what we're doing as an as a company as enterprise, is bringing together both the physical delivery of care, bringing together the technology uh, or the distant care, and bringing together what is basically that connected care. So literally, right. from the clinical environment, okay, of one of our companies. Uh, to the care team that is that we've designed to provide care to that patient um, in our model, uh, to the EMR platform, to the connected IoT devices. That's our mission. That's what we have been pushing forward. Yes. And that's what we believe is the future of healthcare, so that you do not have healthcare companies that are using third-party technologies or third-party technologies that are trying to find healthcare companies to use technologies, there is zero doubt, and 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 there are other there is there are similarities to other models in commerce, not in healthcare, right? Where you're literally going to merge the use the product services and the technology. Um, I think in some cases we've talked about sort of the the examples of of the Amazons of the world that are both. The provider of a service, which is their their shopping uh, online e-commerce business, and for example, the AWS, which is their cloud storage that they offer, you know, to outsiders. Right. That kind of model has not really emerged in healthcare, because I can tell you that 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 even though the EMR, for example, was invented in a hospital in Massachusetts, uh, I'm not aware of any EMR that is been built, ma- maintained 
or operated by hospital system, even though the hospital systems, there are some incredibly large hospital systems in this country that are doing two, three, four billion dollars in revenue, they have still decided to go with one of the big three players of, of, of EMR, for example, which is the Epic, the Cerners, and the Meditech, the three big ones. Yeah. Um, and, and the same thing with the doctors. There are a couple of companies that are emerging now that are starting to see that connectivity of controlling the technology and the services. And there's one particularly out in the, the West Coast of the United States that has uh, about 50, 60 medical centers, and they built their own EMR. They're starting to realize that uh, that opportunity. Mm -hmm. But they're doing it on a fee-for-service environment, which is we, we think is short-lived. And then you have other companies that are aggregating the sort of the managed care environment in, in a very sound uh, way, both for, by the way, for multiple parties. So we're talking about the patient, mm -hmm. we're talking about the, the doctor, and we're talking about the payer, which in most cases is the federal government, for, particularly Medicare, but in some cases Medicaid. Um, it works for everybody, yeah. okay? Yeah. Um, but those companies have not, that I have seen yet, as of today, invested in that technology. They're still using effectively off-the-shelf technology uh, from third parties. And the problem with that is, every time you want to change something, every time you want to add a different button or a different information or, or, or process it, so that you can so that you can open it up to the patient or open it up to other doctors, it is a lengthy process. I can tell you, having you know at least you know worked on uh, as a company on building technology, it's a very laborious process. You want to move a button from one side of the screen to the other, it's it's not you know grabbing and and moving across yeah, drag and drop the, the way you use in uh, sort of consumer based. Uh, Software. It's not like PowerPoint. Okay, let's move that box to this side of the slide. That doesn't work that way in healthcare. No. Uh, because of all the data. It's incredibly complex database system and database management. So there's no company out there that's doing it that way. So uh, clearly, clearly that, that there's... Usually the technology, the payment model, right. the physical components. No one's doing that today. Well, there's an advantage to that, though. And so what we're, what we're up against now is another tipping point. In a sense where technology and healthcare are are coming together they're beginning to be merged to a degree but n not infused yet and the and the companies that are doing doing those things are not really taking that full step they're taking sort of a little putting their toe in the water almost it would seem well yeah but let me let me let's go back in our last podcast we talked about air, air traffic controllers okay yeah, so let's use right. let's use an example back to aviation which we both we're going to stumble back into it exactly we're yeah. going to drop into it um we're going to fly into it actually something air traffic so controller. let's look at two examples think about think about in the old days okay in our old days back in let's say i think it was the 80s or 90s for sure when the airline companies got together and created Sabre, okay, which right. is the airline reservation system, okay, they realized they could not do it by themselves. They got together and created this 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 environment, where, in uh, particularly at the time, you had uh, travel agents that could go into there and and pick multiple airlines. They right. realized that that did not give them a competitive advantage. So right. eventually, the airline decided to create their own reservation system, and they and they invested billions of dollars in creating that 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 platform that platform well, is now owned by them and is actually a competitive advantage between is. between the company between the airlines right because because they can share passengers and ensure that a passenger can move from one airline to another and and there's a, there's 
code share and partnering well, that, and everything right. else. But, but, but uh, you know, I mean, even more, there's a benefit to the passenger. Right, but, but, but what eventually the airlines decided, okay, is that they needed to control their own information technology. Well, they did, yeah. Right? Because you could not share the apps, okay? And that, that's yeah. effectively what then the... The, the travel companies did, the Travelocities and all the other companies Well, even that created... before that was the official airline guide. Right. So yeah. you, right. I remember that. I had yeah. one of those. Yeah. I had many. Yeah. Um, so then they realized the technology was part of their business. And the, te- the, the airlines companies invested in their own technology. We're, we're at that, right now, we are at the Saber system. Right. Environment of healthcare. Right. And, so they, put, and, they, so, and they put the OAG out of business. Literally, so yeah. So they, they they that everybody's sort of sort of sharing information, and they don't realize that the competitive advantage is the information. Right. That, that's what was happening. We're, it's going to happen right now. I hope we're going to be part of that solution. The other company that I'll put you an example goes back to airline is Federal Express, and yeah. people do not recall how much technology Federal Express has, and they've yeah. invested in it. Not only it's not just about getting a package from here to there. It's sort of like the post office does, as, as example. It's literally owning the pick, the 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 the, uh, the drop off stations, yeah. right? Owning the freight, owning the airplanes, uh, owning the hub, at least in the United States to Memphis, okay? Right. Owning the distribution centers, okay? And and the technology that allows you to track a package across the United States or across the world. And know where that, it is. That's a company right. that's in, that realized that the technology was part of their business, was not second party or third party. Um, they had to develop it and guide that technology. Huge, they own the technology. Huge intellectual and, property. Right. So you, you yeah. end up having a, a struggle or a fight. And eventually, by the way, the post office had to do the same thing yes. where you can now track a package. Yep. But that was really, as far as I know, sort of either invented or created by Federal Express. Right. Okay, so that you had Federal Express had to do it, and you had DHL, and you had UPS, yes. and you had a U.S. Post Office. Airborne was in that right. Mix so now until they got bought up. My right. point that we're getting to in healthcare, we have gotten to. Let's just make that point today. Yeah. Yes. We've gotten to the point of healthcare, is of, of of companies starting to realize, okay, that you have to control the data. You, and then you have to control the platform. And the process, yes. And the process and the physicality, the physical buildings and everything else. Yep. So what we're going to see is companies the way we've designed that literally controls the physical real estate where the care is given. It goes back to that first phase that goes to the 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 providing of care uh, uh, in the entire environment uh Technology, using technology, whether right. telemedicine, phone right. call, whatever it is, and the connected devices. So we're designing from a physical, practical, and technology base is the equivalent of a Federal Express for healthcare. Yes. And exactly. I know it's a very simplistic answer, but it's that ability to go from the collection of the of, 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 of the package the to the, to, to right. the pa- I, I think I read somewhere, how many airplanes? Five hundred, six, seven hundred. Yeah, I think nearly seven hundred. Seven hundred airplanes. Mm-hmm. People don't realize that it'd be one of the top airlines in the world that if it was separate, right? But that doesn't even count the small feeders that are subcontractors that are delivering to the small airports from the from from the larger hub airports. So, so listen, I know Federal I mean, Express is one of your is is one of your, yeah, your, your pet companies. Yeah, I own an airline. Okay, right? so you understood the technology they created, the way they exactly they they created. 
uh, different processes uh, at their physical plants. Yeah. I mean, I know you've visited those type of plants sure. and how they've done an industrial engineering type of how a package comes off the plane, goes in, gets resorted, uh, gets, gets readdressed, goes tracked, tracked and, and it goes to the next position. And then, and then the computer directs it to the to the to the bay that it's going to be trucked out on. That's their equipment that they've they've custom built. Yes. Uh, they've had people custom build it for them. That's their technology. That's what gives them the the competitive advantage yes. or the uh, certainly ability to compete. Let's put it that way. With the UPS who's doing the same thing. With the, the 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 DHLs with the you know old air, airborne what do they call it was it well, airborne, airborne airborne was uh, one and, and, and UPS and, and, and the post office and post office yet yeah, today and, and most true. people don't know that a company like like Federal Express has patents they've literally innovated what is it 122 I think it is they they've have? literally created new systems and processes both physical okay mm -hmm. want to call it the widget physical right okay. I don't think it's a conveyor belt, but it's in that category. Well, it's, a, it's, it's, assembly it's, like, line. it's like a label reader. And, exactly. And, things like and, that they, and they created yeah. the virtual. Right. How does the, the database handle that information? So we do not have, I have not seen yet in 32 years of healthcare, that kind of company in healthcare. And I haven't seen it even less. Okay. Let's say if you try to put together two or three, what I have not seen it at all, even remotely, is one that's created for value-based care right uh at all no that's that right. does, that the first one doesn't exist okay but if you put two or three together you might get it to work but what what is missing even if you got it all together which is it's not impossible but it's highly unlikely is that that company that was designed for that managed care that capitation environment so that's a lot to say in 30 minutes. Well, it is, but there's a lot there's a lot to that. And I think from the outside, it can look complicated. I think Federal Express can look complicated from the outside. But when you break it down into the individual parts and understand how they integrate, it suddenly makes a lot of sense. To, Listen, I, to, if, if, health, if, if healthcare can work as efficiently as Federal Express, we're going to really reduce the cost of healthcare in this country. No, but I mean it's complicated. Yeah, let me tell you something. Well, I have been I have been on two assembly lines in my life. Okay, <laughs> which is the coolest experience. One of the coolest experiences I ever had. One is I was on the assembly line of General Motors. Yeah. Literally on the floor, between the cars, kind of thing, and one in the safety zone uh, of Harley Davidson. Okay, and and I saw how they were putting them together. They're incredibly complex. Yeah. You got these huge multi-ton machines. That are moving around, moving these motorcycles yeah. like it's nothing, or cars like it's nothing. Right. So assembly lines are complicated. Okay. And 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 if you spent, I've never done it other than I've watched it on on on, on documentaries. I, being five minutes in a control tower at New York, <laughs> LaGuardia, or JFK, oh Teterboro, or, or te 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 it's got to be Memphis is it's got to be chaos, right? Organized chaos. Right, but I'm saying but the planes work. <laughs> the air traffic controllers work. The system works. Right? The, the process pilots, is no. in place. They have, how, many, how, many, how many different frequencies do they use in a major airport car? Oh, Five I, or six? I, it depends. I mean, you've got you've got approach frequencies, control freq frequencies, ground Yeah, you've got control. left runway, right runway, all using different. So you have, you have literally, in some cases, many frequencies, both for landing and for takeoff, for approach, 
it, and you've got and it's and all moving got, and you've got handoffs between controllers. Right. And I don't yeah. want to get too geeky because no. I think we did because we love both live airplanes. Oh, well, yeah. But that is, let me tell you something. Healthcare is not that complicated when you when you compare, no. okay, no. to an air traffic controller at JFK. Yeah. But we don't have those systems and processes designed, and no one takes responsibility. Okay, you and I both know that a plane cannot take out of West West Palm Beach, Florida. Until it has a landing slot at JFK. But he can't even he can't even start engines. Exactly. So that what I'm talking about is sort of this omnicare, is sort of that mentality to understanding that healthcare are systems and processes. Right. Okay. That's what it is. Okay. The the, the seven minute five to seven minutes that a doctor spends with a patient is part of a continuum of care that happens literally effectively when the patient leaves their home and returns to their home and all the interactions and telemedicine and IoT devices that we're talking about. Well, in the last podcast, we talked about how you had re, re, re-engineered the work work process within some of the right. some of the medical uh, practices that, that you had. I mean, that's a microcosm of, of really what we're going to be doing for the healthcare environment. Totally. So we have to blur in healthcare to, to, to go to the next decade. We have to blur the lines. Mm-hmm. between the service of care and the technology of care, yeah. okay? Yeah. And then we have to blur the lines between the physical care and the virtual care or the extended care. That is it. This is the mandate for the next decade. Right, and technology is the link to do that. Well, I think we got in uh, pretty deep into the weeds on this one, <laughs> and, and we took off and landed a few times. We did, we did, but so, we cut the weeds down as we got in there. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank everyone uh uh, who's been listening to our podcast. and We want to thank especially those that stayed with us. Those that thank stayed you. with us, yep. Uh, this is uh, podcast number uh, 17. Yes. And we look forward to uh, our next uh, connection and okay. interaction. Which will be number 18. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to our podcast. To learn more about our company, please check out our website at oxiohealth.io. That's www.oxiohealth.io.